Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported show. To support it, go to weirdhistorypodcast.com. I know, today is April 1st, and this episode, it is not about North Korea, nor is it about South Korea. But this episode, not a dream, not a hoax, not an imaginary story, it's a real episode of the show. I wanted to mark today's date, April Fool's Day, not by playing a joke on you, but by talking about a notable April Fool's Day hoax, maybe my favorite of all of the April Fool's Day hoaxes. It's from 1957. Panorama is a BBC news and documentary show that does all kinds of things. They've covered diverse topics. They've talked about, say, corruption inside FIFA and the Catholic Church. They have exposed shadiness on the part of the Church of Scientology. They interviewed Salvador Dali once. They even tried to send some journalists to North Korea, but apparently the footage they got was not great. All kinds of things. They've been going since 1953, and on April 1st of 1957, they aired the following. It isn't only in Britain that spring this year has taken everyone by surprise. Here, in the Ticino, on the borders of Switzerland and Italy, the slopes overlooking Lake Lugano have already burst into flower at least a fortnight earlier than usual. But what, you may ask, has the early and welcome arrival of bees and blossom to do with food? Well, it's simply that the past winter, one of the mildest in living memory, has had its effect in other ways as well. Most important of all, it's resulted in an exceptionally heavy spaghetti crop. The last two weeks of March are an anxious time for the spaghetti farmer. There's always the chance of a late frost, which, while not entirely ruining the crop, generally impairs the flavor and makes it difficult for him to obtain top prices in world markets. But now these dangers are over, and the spaghetti harvest goes forward. That narration was accompanied by all kinds of pastoral images. White fluffy clouds, bees pollinating flowers, trees on a hillside, and hanging from the branches of each tree, spaghetti freshly grown spaghetti noodles. Women wandered the hillside wearing rustic clothes, and they had wicker baskets slung over their shoulders. They went from branch to branch, picking noodles, placing them gently in their wicker baskets, bringing them home for that spring's spaghetti harvest. At the time, in 1957, plenty of British citizens would have known about spaghetti, but they would have still considered it something a bit foreign. They could have bought spaghetti at the store, but for the most part, the spaghetti they bought came not in packages and not in dry cookable form, but in tins, pre-cooked, swimming in tomato sauce. Think about Chef Boyardee, those little O-shaped pasta units that are soaked with tomato sauce by the time you open a can. That, and as somebody who is a great lover of pasta and treating pasta right, and pairing it with the right kind of sauce, and not letting it get too soaked with sauce, eating it after you have put sauce on it so you still get a certain amount of toothsomeness along with the saucy flavor. The idea of tinned pasta just fills me with a certain kind of despair. But anyway, the report went on, showcasing beautiful fresh spaghetti, in explaining the reason for 
1957's exceptional bumper crop. Spaghetti cultivation here in Switzerland is not, of course, carried out on anything like the tremendous scale of the Italian industry. Many of you, I'm sure, will have seen pictures of the vast spaghetti plantations in the Po Valley. For the Swiss, however, it tends to be more of a family affair. Another reason why this may be a bumper year lies in the virtual disappearance of the spaghetti weevil, the tiny creature whose depredations have caused much concern in the past. I love the idea of the spaghetti weevil. And, to be honest, I also kind of love the idea of a spaghetti harvest. The footage shows Swiss spaghetti harvesters sitting down to their crop, eating fresh spaghetti, drinking wine, taking in the spring air, and it all looks very pastoral. It looks like the kind of prank, the kind of hoax, that you really want to believe in. A spaghetti harvest, as presented by the BBC, is something I would love to participate in, or at least consume the fruits of. This prank was initially conceived by one of Panorama's camera operators, a guy called Charles Dieger. He got the idea of it as a kid growing up when he was being mocked by one of his teachers, who said to him that he was so stupid that if the teacher told him that he thought spaghetti grew on trees, Charles would believe them. Quite frankly, that teacher sounds like something of a jerk. But years later, Dieger was able to take this incident of childhood bullying from an adult authority figure and turned it into a joke, a very successful one. His boss at Panorama gave him a budget of £100 for the segment, and I tinkered around with some inflation calculators and currency converters, and that's under $4,000 today. Not a lot to produce a television segment. But... It was enough to shoot video outside a London pasta factory and at a Swiss hotel, each done up to look like the site of a pastoral Swiss spaghetti harvest. Dieger was also able to get voice talent from announcer Richard Dimbledy, who at the time plenty of Panorama's viewers would have recognized because he was a normal presenter. He was a respected guy and he had just a great television voice. One of Panorama's producers, talking about the prank in 2004, said that Dimbledy's voice and the authority it conveyed was part of the joke. Dimbledy, this producer said, had enough gravitas to float an aircraft carrier. And here, he's employing that gravitas for fun. Dimbledy was in on the joke. He knew that his voice carried a certain amount of authority, and him participating in this whole thing is one of my favorite forms of humor. A straight-laced, buttoned-down, serious figure talking perfectly normally about something that is transparently ridiculous. Or at least, it was supposed to be transparently ridiculous. While plenty of people knew where Spaghetti came from, and knew that the April Fool's Day segment was a joke, some of Panorama's 8 million viewers did not, and said that they didn't know that about Spaghetti. What an interesting thing they learned from their television and their authoritative announcer person. And BBC One apparently got questions about spaghetti cultivation and how one grows a spaghetti tree. Supposedly, their answer to how to grow a spaghetti tree was to just put a bit of spaghetti into a tin of tomato sauce and hope for the best. An answer which I love, except... Uh, 
tinned tomato sauce? No, you make that yourself fresh. Come on. What are you doing, people? Anyway, Panorama got some heat for this, but they refused to apologize. Even years later, people involved with the hoax said, what? This was funny. It's obviously a prank. Lighten up. I kind of like April Fool's Day. Not because it's funny to trick people. It's not. I am very much on the side of truth and accuracy and transparency and all that. But because April Fool's Day can teach people skepticism. It can teach people critical thinking. It can help us identify what absurd looks like. What ridiculous looks like. It invites us to actively discern whether something is a joke or not. Whether something is fake or not. April Fool's Day says, stop being passive. Pay attention. Evaluate everything that you see in media and make a judgment about it. Think critically about it. Maybe fact check. That, I think, is the power of it. I also really appreciate the Spaghetti Tree hoax because, as you might have gathered from earlier in this very episode and also from the other episode that we did on pasta, I... Love the stuff. I love spaghetti. I love pasta. I love fettuccine. I love rigatoni. I love fusilli. I love those little things that are shaped like bow ties, farafelli, but slightly less because the part where it gets pinched never cooks quite right. And so you have the undercooked sort of edge of the farafelli bow tie, and you have the undercooked interior of the bow tie, and it doesn't always work right. Um, but I still like those two because pasta is beautiful. Anyway, I grew up making pasta with my mother. As a kid, making fresh pasta, rolling it through the pasta maker, combining it with inclusions like dried tomatoes and spinach, that was dinner time, that was growing up, and that was familiar. I love seeing something familiar to me turned into something exotic, mysterious, and hoaxy to somebody else. It's also a reminder that pasta has only recently been common in the English-speaking world. What we consider pedestrian and normal today was exotic and threatening yesterday. What is considered exotic and threatening today may very well just become ordinary and part of the scenery tomorrow. And I find it very comforting that we do, in fact, have the capacity to acclimate to new cultural things, to change, to include more stuff, like spaghetti, which was once so exotic you can joke about it, and now it's just one more thing you can have for dinner. As for me... I'm not going to harvest it from a tree. I've got a pasta maker of my own, and I'm going to put it to work tonight. Happy April Fool's Day, everybody. And as always, this is a listener-supported show. Go to weirdhistorypodcast.com to become a supporter who helps make it happen. Thank you to everybody who supports the show. Also, go on iTunes and give us ratings and reviews. That is a big help. I am, as ever, on social media. I am at Joe Streckert on Twitter. That's J-O-E-S-T-R-E-C-K-E-R-T, all one word. And the podcast is on Facebook, facebook.com slash weirdhistorypodcast. Thank you all for listening. Next time, we're actually back to Korea. Bye. (laughs) 